welcome back to Material World. We're digging into all the stories behind the things that you spend your money on. We are your hosts. I'm Jenny Kaplan. I cover all the things you drink and smoke for Bloomberg News. And I'm Lindsay Rupp. I write about all the stores that you'd find in a mall for Bloomberg. It's a big year to be an American. Isn't it always? Yes, good good point. But uh, between the Olympics this summer and the election later this year, it seems like we're constantly hearing about how America's great, or maybe it could eventually be great again. And we are going to make our country great again. It's impossible to escape from that sort of rhetoric right now. I wouldn't say I'm a super overtly patriotic person. I mean, I don't think I own any flag pins, for example. But there is something very emotional about the connection I feel with being an American that I think a lot of people relate to. Here's a clip from the Colbert Report where Stephen Colbert discusses his love of country. Now, I'm sure there are some people out there who say, but Stephen, you don't wear a flag pin on your lapel. That's right, I don't. It's too risky. What happens if I take my jacket off? Real Americans are always patriotic, clothes on or clothes off. That is why I wear an American flag nipple ring. People who wear their patriotism on their sleeve or cardigan or nipple ring can get a bad rap. It's sometimes associated with lower class stereotypes or politicians who are just trying to win voters. Sometimes it feels more natural, like with the Olympics. Then I'm all about Team USA. But other times, a lot of consumers express patriotism in more subtle ways. Maybe you notice when something's made in the U.S., or you like to wear brands that have a strong American heritage. Or maybe, like me, you tear up at certain ads on TV. Yes, I have to admit I also tear up at ads. But does that make you more likely to buy Budweiser versus some other beer? That's the question. Budweiser is going to be kind of our guinea pig today as we try to figure out whether patriotic marketing, overt or more subtle, works. Does our love of country influence what we buy? It's certainly a widely used tactic. I mean, everyone from car companies to apparel brands to cigarette and beer makers do this. Here are a couple of examples of ads that are raising the metaphorical or sometimes literal flag. This is our country. This is our country. This is our truck. The all-new Chevy Silverado. America. Center of equal daughters. Equal sons. All. All alike and good. From the beaches of Normandy to the far reaches of the earth. In my life, I have lived millions of lives. I've outrun robots and danced with dinosaurs. One particularly and staunchly patriotic campaign this year was done by our test case today, Budweiser. In May, AB InBev, the company that owns the Budweiser brand, renamed Bud America on its cans. The cool thing about the America pack is if you look at it from a, at a glance from a distance, it, it, you know, it, it will look like just a Budweiser pack. That's Ricardo Marquez, who leads the Bud brand. Actually, uh, the first time we showed it around the office, people had to look twice <laughs> because the, you know, it's the iconography, the visual elements, and of course, colors and shapes go ahead of you know, uh, words. So it's instantly a, an unmistakable Budweiser uh, pack. 
but then we look closer and you see that you know the word Budweiser has been replaced by America. And when you start digging further, you see that every single detail of our pack uh, has been evolved or been changed to talk about America. This is a campaign that is um, you know, designed to, to celebrate the incredible values that make this country so, so, such a special place. On the notions of ambition, freedom, hard work. And when you put that idea against a very rich cultural back, background, I mean, the Olympics, Copa America, the election, uh, July 4th, of course, um, that all of a sudden gives this campaign a lot of substance and makes it extremely relevant for this particular period in time. Budweiser wasn't the only company to transform itself into a national symbol this year. Companies like Coca-Cola and Hershey joined the patriotic push to capitalize on excitement surrounding the summer's Olympic Games in Rio. I gotta wonder, though, do customers really respond to those visual cues in the store? We talked with Ted Marzilli from YouGov Brand Index, a company that measures brand perception among the public, to find out why brands engage in this kind of marketing. Uh, I actually think that patriotism is is a theme that can be found through a lot of advertising in any year, whether it's an election year or not. I think in an election year and in an Olympics year, more attention is paid to it. So Mm -hmm. it may seem like there's more out there. And I also think there is a little bit of brands trying to take advantage of the opportunity where maybe consumers are feeling a little bit more patriotic to try and capitalize on those sentiments. I think the the challenge for any brand, whether it's trying to leverage patriotism or um, talking about how the brand might be more green or environmentally friendly, is does the message seem authentic and does it seem to fit with the brand? I think for the right brand, the, the patriotism theme can work. I also think that subtle patriotism might be a little bit more effective than kind of in-your-face patriotism. So if you're looking at a car commercial and uh, maybe someone driving a car drives by a town hall with an American flag hanging from it, that may be a subtle way to imply that this is an American-made car, as opposed to having an American flag be the backdrop for the entire commercial, which might seem a little bit more overtly uh, in-your-face and maybe that a brand is trying to take advantage of the American flag or or use the symbol of America to try and sell cars, which may, when people think about it, feel a little distasteful. I think for a brand, one of the things that you can use our data for is to see when you kick off a campaign, is it starting to resonate? And then you can uh, dig a little bit deeper with consumers and try to understand what's resonating. And maybe there's more you can do to keep those scores going up rather than eventually falling back down to earth. A couple of things you can do there. So one is if something is resonating really well, maybe you can put more money into it and develop more reach or frequency with the campaign to hit more consumers with the messaging. The second is, and I think this is the more common one, is that any campaign over time is just going to become a little bit stale. So you need to have new versions coming out that might still fit into the theme, but will be different spots, different content, something to keep the campaign fresh, even though you want to build upon this one theme that you seem to think or appears to be working quite well for the brand. So keeping it fresh is is challenging. It's clear brands want to capitalize on current events that are boosting patriotic sentiment and fostering friendly feelings toward American brands. Here's Bud's Ricardo Marquez again. 
when we say America is in your hands, uh, not only that is a very powerful message for how you know the country is is, is feeling right now, but also when we, you know, if I look back at the campaign, we if you talk to an Olympic athlete and you say America is in your hands, it has a special meaning. Uh, if you talk to the voters and you say America is in your hands, it has also a special meaning. And if you talk to the broader base of your drinkers, it's a very powerful message because it tells you that it's about you, it's about what you do, how you contribute in every single thing that you do. And that, we believe, is a very powerful message. I actually wrote a story about this when the Bud cans first came out, and it definitely showed in my reporting that Donald Trump's heavy-handed patriotism in his campaign has encouraged companies to follow suit. Some retailers are hoping those warm and fuzzy sentiments also extend to them when they carry American-made products. Walmart, the biggest retailer in the world, made a bet on this in 2013 when it pledged to buy about $250 billion in products made in the U.S. by 2023. We brought in a Walmart expert to help explain what's been happening with America's largest retailer. Walmart has this reputation of killing U.S. manufacturing. Some may argue that's fair. Some may argue that it's unfair. Shannon Pettypiece is a reporter on our team who covers big box stores, especially Walmart, which she recently wrote a Business Week cover story about. Right around the time of the 1990s, Walmart's real push for low prices, low cost goods, uh, we started seeing a decrease in American jobs and companies saying that in order to meet the demands that Walmart was making in prices, they had to ship their jobs overseas. So uh, a lot of people have this negative connotation with Walmart. Walmart's been on a big push to improve their image and trying to encourage more made in America production and manufacturing by buying more Made in America products uh, was a big part of that sort of image revamp they've been trying to do. Has it worked? Have they brought jobs back to America? Uh, they have, um, and there's some success stories they're very proud of. But in the grand scheme of things, it's a rounding error of a rounding error, really. I mean, we're talking about a few hundreds of jobs as opposed to talking about millions of jobs that went overseas. Again, not all because of Walmart, but because of this huge shift in manufacturing overseas. Part of the problem is when you bring production back to the U.S., everything is so automated now in manufacturing. And in order to be able to afford to bring manufacturing back to the U.S., you got to find a way to do it without people who are really expensive. So, you know, there were examples of people bringing back, you know, large productions of items, uh, you know, that only required a few dozen employees uh, or, you know, in some cases, just a couple employees be added. Um, there's one company I focused on. They were making plastic lawn owls, um, which sounds like a sort of marginal product, but they make hundreds of thousands of lawn owls um, uh, every year. Uh, they're a big supplier to Walmart. Uh, they brought production back from China to the U.S. It was like a couple of jobs that were added because the company found all these ways to do it so much more efficiently when they brought it back to the U.S. I know you mentioned that it's kind of an image push, but does it actually help sell products when they say made in America? And that's part of the argument that Walmart made, too, to its shareholders, which, of course, Walmart, you know, what they are doing is supposed to be actually increasing profit, increasing as a publicly traded company. What they're supposed to be doing is, you know, not just charity, but it's supposed to actually be helping their bottom line. Uh, you know, they would cite these surveys that said, you know, the majority of people would rather buy a product made in America. And, you know, in some cases, you know, 75 percent of people surveyed, you know, would say, yes, I would rather buy a product made in America. Um, as evidence that if they had more American-made products, they would sell more. Um, but when I talked to people in the U.S. manufacturing industry, they said, well, you know, you have to think 
about where some of this perception is coming from. Um, if you ask someone, would you like to buy something made in America? I mean, I'm kind of surprised it wasn't like 100% who right. said, yes, I would prefer to buy something that was made in America, you know? Um, so it really has to do with price and the quality of the product, just like anything else. And what people in the manufacturing industry found is that consumers are sort of agnostic to where something is made. Great if it's made in America, but if it's not at the right price and if it's not good quality, if it's not something they want, they're just not going to buy it just because it's made in America. Uh, if a water bottle, you know, looks sort of cheap and doesn't function very well, but it's made in America, they're going to buy the nice, cool-looking water bottle that's next to it that was maybe made in China. So despite all these, all this push by Walmart, and they have a whole team of people who are devoted to, you know, helping companies bring manufacturing back to the U.S., to working with suppliers, uh, you know, to help them find a, a way to bring manufacturing to the U.S., um, I don't think it's having a big impact on sales. Companies don't have to make their products in the U.S. to cultivate a strong American brand image. Actually, Budweiser's parent company is based in Belgium, though its U.S. beer is brewed here. Another company that's maintained a strong traditional American image is from my hometown, Greensboro, North Carolina. Wrangler. That's a name everyone knows, and you probably get a few images in your mind right away as soon as you hear it, right, Jenny? It's hard not to think about cowboys and that kind of thing, given their prevalence in Wrangler's marketing. Right. Wrangler's heritage is as a working garment. It's still worn by people who are riding in rodeos and working in construction. We talked with Craig Arrington, Vice President for Marketing at Wrangler, about building such an American brand and taking that brand abroad. You know, it started with uh, developing jeans for cowboys and ranchers and farmers and workers, and then they needed jeans that would last and jeans that were comfortable, um, but jeans that also looked good too. Um, you know, really the, the key to the beginning of Wrangler, and it still really is a key, is born and raised in Greensboro, North Carolina with, with real solid American roots to it. Um, you know, the American cowboy is a pretty American icon for sure. Uh, and so to be connected with that type of an American icon from day one um, is a pretty interesting start for a brand. And so, you know, that's, that is, that's part of our history, that's part of our roots, that's part of our heritage. Uh, and so we've been able to utilize that and leverage that through the decades. Uh, you know, as, as uh, fashions have come and as they've gone and as looks have come and gone, you know, the, the real authenticity of the brand is what really continues to carry it through. Increasingly, companies are really global, so how does patriotic imagery work abroad? Wrangler was originally distributed in Europe um, way back in the early 60s and actually distributed in Japan in the early 70s. Um, so it's been an international brand for quite some time. Um, and it's, it's succeeded in other continents and other countries uh, because of that authenticity and because of those authentic American roots. Um, that's what it arrived with the awareness from this American brand. Uh, you know, it, it certainly had swagger when it arrived in Europe uh, with the connection to the American West and the American cowboy. Uh, and so that started an initial connection. Uh, but then interestingly enough, you know, Europe over the last couple of decades, they, they took that, those, those American roots and that authenticity 
and and they kind of molded it into what was right for their markets and what was right for their consumers. Um, and in particular in Europe and in Asia, you know, Wrangler has become a, a pretty uh, fashionable, stylish brand. Um, so it, it built that off of its American roots and its Western wear quality to it. Uh, and so there's, there's a brand buzz that's, that's worked well uh, from an international standpoint. Uh, you know, this American brand goes to Europe and then it, it comes back to America um, with some additional uh, interesting legs to it. There, are, there aren't a lot of cowboys in Europe, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> uh, but there's a respect for, for all things authentic. Uh, there were things that were uniquely Wrangler and uniquely American jeans wear to it that were respected by the European consumers. Wrangler has had to figure out how to stay true to its heritage, even as it brings the product into a new, more modern era, and overseas, where American heritage means something different than it does here. Whether or not companies' patriotic messages are effective could depend a lot on the people who are hearing them. Take Walmart's messages. They might just reinforce a shopper's existing feelings rather than change any minds. Here's our colleague Shannon again. If you hated Walmart, and you saw an ad about them bringing back manufacturing jobs and how great Walmart was for American manufacturing, you'd probably continue to hate Walmart. If you loved Walmart and, you know, got excited every time you walked in there and then you saw an ad about how they were great with U.S. manufacturing, you would maybe feel even more excited when you went into Walmart or feel even more good about shopping there. Um, I had talked to some brand consultants for a separate story just about how it is so hard to change the image of a brand. And once consumers decide that they don't like a brand, it just takes years and years and maybe even like a generational change to change that. So maybe what they, if your mind's set up, you know, mind's made up about a company, they're probably not going to change your mind. But if you are sort of a younger customer, you're coming up, you don't have a negative connotation about Walmart and U.S. manufacturing, and you see these ads, and that's really the only impression you have about Walmart and manufacturing, you might think, oh, okay, this is a decent company. Yeah, that's not too bad. Or you walk in their store and see a Made in America display. It might make you feel a little bit better, you know, about Walmart walking in there, you know, give you a sort of subconscious positive feeling, you know, when you see a flag and a display made in America products. But it hasn't been great for sales, hasn't moved the needle on sales to a significant point. No, probably not. (laughs) All right, Lindsay, it's the moment of truth. It's time to find out how effective Bud's America campaign was. Any guesses? Hmm, it's hard to say. I mean, picking up a cold pack of America has a nice ring to it, but it's still the same beer inside. Well, Ted at YouGov did some research into whether this effort paid off for Budweiser. Yeah, so this is a really interesting one, uh, and it had more resonance at the beginning than I expected. So in early May when the campaign was announced, we saw some of the measures that we track really uh, increase quite a bit. So things like ad awareness, word of mouth, buzz, which uh, is a question where we ask people if they've heard generally positive or negative things about a brand. And even purchase consideration moved up by several points. So those were all really strong indicators at the beginning of the campaign that they were onto something and that people were taking notice. For context, Budweiser is also a big advertiser during the Super Bowl, and we saw similar 
increases in ad awareness and consideration during the Super Bowl time. In fact, ad awareness and buzz go up by even more with such a huge audience for the Super Bowl. But interestingly, purchase consideration actually surpassed the purchase consideration from the Super Bowl around the time that the America campaign was being launched. So that wow. seemed like a really unusual finding for us and unexpected. So did it last? <clears throat> the short answer is no, but not necessarily so surprising. Um, when the campaign was announced, it was picked up by a lot of media outlets, so I think there was a lot of amplication around the announcement and a lot of excitement. Once Memorial Day passed, we saw metrics start to go back to earth, uh, so come down a little bit. Uh, it doesn't necessarily imply a bad campaign. It was a very good launch to a campaign. Uh, they improved some brand health metrics and purchase consideration, as I mentioned. And as we get into summertime, there's a lot of competition for people's attention, a lot of advertising, not just from other beer companies, but auto companies, uh, the Olympics, all sorts of things that compete for people's attention. Uh, so we saw the consumer health metrics go down a little bit. So for example, Memorial Day was around the time when the ad campaign officially launched, but Anheuser-Busch uh, did a clever thing, and that was leak the campaign or announce the campaign several weeks before. So the announcement came perhaps during a lull or outside of the summer season where maybe people are, are ramping up those patriotic themes. So it got a lot more attention. Once the summer season actually kicked in, we saw those consumer perception scores dissipate a little bit. So maybe it got lost in the clutter or people lost focus on it. We're also able to look at our consumer base and look at statements around patriotism. So for example, people who say that they would prefer to buy American brands. Um, and when we look at Budweiser's customer base, the vast majority of their customers do agree with that statement. So it seems like Budweiser was picking up on something in their, in their customer base that would tell them this theme will resonate. So again, I think that is true to a certain extent. The beginning of the campaign really got off to a nice start. Uh, another interesting thing about those patriotism questions, though, is that they skew towards older consumers. So the older you are, the more likely you are to agree with a statement like, I tend to buy American. Uh, younger people do not. So again, that may fit with Budweiser's demographics. Um, younger people might be more open to drinking craft beers, but middle-aged and older people who may have grown up with less choice uh, or developed their brand loyalty or beer loyalty 30 or 40 years ago may still be very loyal to a Budweiser. So, were you shocked by those results, Lindsay? Somewhat. I mean, I'm constantly surprised by how fickle consumers are. We have a really short attention span as a group. Yeah, that's for sure. And I'm honestly surprised that it was effective at all. I definitely had doubts at the time. I guess it makes sense that Budweiser's move worked for them more than other brands' efforts did because they were the first. It was new and fresh when they came out with their cans. But the patriotic marketing definitely got old quickly. Patriotic messaging is also most effective when it feels authentic. I mean, especially if you're a retailer like Walmart or your product doesn't lend itself too well to being plastered all over with a flag like Wrangler. A customer is more likely to buy into the idea of America and doing good things for the country if a brand has been doing that forever, rather than just jumping on the bandwagon for a sales lift. 
Customers might be fickle, but they're also really smart. Companies have to be careful when taking their marketing overseas, too. There's tons of appetite for Americana in markets like Europe and Asia, but consumers there interact differently with the message, and you don't want to alienate your customers back home either. Right. The key here is to be genuine. It may seem like the opportunity to get a sales bump from American Pride comes around every season, whether it's President's Day, Memorial Day, Independence Day, Labor Day, or Election Day. But when every company participates, patriotic ads just become a lot of background noise. It seems like there are only very specific circumstances, like in our current political climate, when these campaigns actually impact sales or brand perception. That wraps it up for this episode of Material World. Thanks for listening. For more Material World, check out Bloomberg.com, iTunes.com slash Material World. And you can also follow us on Twitter. I'm at LC Rep and Jenny's at Jenny M. Kaplan. You can learn more about YouGov's research at YouGov US. You can see what's new at the brands we discussed at Budweiser and at Wrangler. Our colleague Shannon is at S. Petty Pie. If you like what you heard and feel so compelled, please rate and review the show. We'll be back in two weeks. I do not like America the beer because I think I threw up too much America in college. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm still not into it.